0: think uh you know it's, it's one of those things where you know we all have been a part of the business and josh is a, a really good player so you have to to know that you know he has an option he's probably going to opt out of out of the deal that he has now and uh you have to assume that he's going to be wanted you know on the open market and uh it's a chance that you you lose a player like that you know if you you're not able to to match that number uh so it's either that or you know find an opportunity where you know you can position yourself to maybe do something else significant uh, instead of just having a loss you know for a a significant player so you know it's not something where you say oh man that's gonna you know put them over the top but you know I think it's a game of chess you know especially when you're in a smaller market and uh, you're in a position that that we were in with this specific situation so you know you got to do what you got to do and you just got to you know trust the process and that we position positioning ourselves to be able to do something that can really help us. Hey, Rip City, this is Justice Winslow, and it's time to open the Briefcase with Casey Holdall.
1: Greetings, Blizzard fans, and welcome to the Briefcase, episode 23 of the Briefcase, your podcast covering the day-to-day of the Portland Trailblazers and beyond. I'm your host, Casey Holdall, and that was Damian Lillard discussing the first trade that Portland made in the last week that sent Josh Hart to New York in exchange for Cam Reddish, Ryan Archie Diacono, and a lottery-protected first-round pick in 2023. The NBA trade deadline has come and gone, with the Trailblazers making a number of moves to add size, youth, defense, and financial flexibility in the offseason. But even though the trade season is supposed to be over, one of those deals the Trailblazers entered into might be in jeopardy. We'll recap the trades that we know are locked in, consider what happens if one of those transactions is nullified, and hear from Trailblazers General Manager Joe Cronin regarding his thoughts on the last couple days of deals in Rip City on this edition of The Briefcase. Usually, we'd run down some of the various news and notes from the last few days, update where the Trailblazers are at in the standings and then their rankings in offensive and defense efficiency, and check in on the Trailblazers' betting markets. But since the NBA trade deadline only comes but once a year, we're going to skip those standards for one show and get right into the transactions that the Trailblazers have entered into in the last few days. First off, the Trailblazers sent Josh Hart to New York for various players and as a conditional first-round pick. And while it was originally reported as separate deals, the move sending Hart to the Knicks and the deal bringing in Matisse Thibel from Philly were technically all part of one trade. So let's go ahead and run that down right now. The Trailblazers acquired forward Cam Reddish, guard Ryan Archie Dinocchino, I'm going to dial that in one of these days, and a lottery protected 2023 first round pick from the New York Knicks in exchange for Josh Hart. Additionally, the Trailblazers acquired Matisse Thibel from the Philadelphia 76ers for a 2029 second-round pick and sent a 2027 second-round pick to the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte then sent Jalen McDaniels and a 2024 second-round pick to Philadelphia and received a 2023 second-round pick from the Sixers and guard forward Sivy Mahalik from the Knicks. Sivy, I apologize for butchering your name there. So basically, the Trailblazers get to take a flyer on Cam Reddish, who was the 10th overall pick of the 2019 draft, but has just never really found his slot either with the Hawks or with the Knicks. The Knicks traded for him last season, seemed like he was making some progress for whatever reason. He had fallen completely out of favor in New York, hasn't played, I think, since December 3rd, though he is getting a start in his first game with the Portland Trailblazers, so seeing his first action well over two months... In his first game with Portland, Archie Diacono gives the Blazers another ball handler, something they've needed, particularly with Justice Winslow out. And in Matisse Thybul. obviously, you have a guy who is an elite defensive player, a guy who has won back-to-back, all-defensive second-team honors. Portland hasn't had a guy who's won all-defensive team honors in I don't know how long. While he might not be the offensive weapon that a guy like Josh Hart was, just as elite defensively, in fact, more elite defensively. So you lose something on the offensive end, but you gain something on the defensive end trading... Josh Hart from Matisse Thibault, and that's not even to speak of what you get out of Reddish, who is a young, athletic, full of potential, could be a two-way guy, but just has to put it together. Portland staff is very excited about getting a guy like Cam Reddish. They really feel like once they get him in the building, get into him a little bit, they can figure out ways in order to get his game to a point where he can improve to the level to become the player that people thought he was going to be out of Duke when he was selected in 2019. And that's the absolutely nothing of the first round pick that Portland got in the deal with the New York Knicks. It's a lottery-protected first-round pick, which means that if the Knicks end up in the playoffs, Portland gets the pick this season. If they don't, it converts to two second-round picks later on. The Knicks are, I believe, in sixth or seventh right now. They look pretty good to make the playoffs, You would hope they do make the playoffs because then Portland gets that first round pick, which they could definitely use, especially if Portland doesn't get their first round pick because if they make the playoffs, then the Bulls get Portland's first round pick this year. Portland giving themselves a chance to at least have one first round pick, potentially two this offseason, which they could absolutely use to make some of the deals that Joe Cronin talks about later on in the show about wanting to improve the team and to maybe do some big game hunting, but just not necessarily having the pieces yet to get that done. I would not have thought they would get a first round pick for Josh Hart, so I think that deal automatically is very good for Portland. If you didn't think you were going to be able to re-sign Josh Hart in the offseason, which I feel pretty confidently the team didn't think they were going to be able to extend to the point that Josh wanted to, it makes sense for them to cut bait there and try to get something of value, which they absolutely did. Even if Cam Reddish doesn't work out, even if you don't really believe in Matisse Thybulle, you still get that first round pick as opposed to losing Josh Hart for absolutely nothing. That's obviously a great deal for Portland. Which then brings us to the three-team deal, sending Gary Payton 2 to Golden State in exchange for five second-round picks and Kevin Knox from Detroit. Though according to the folks at The Athletic, there are issues which might reshape this deal or scuttle it entirely. The deal is announced by the team Thursday afternoon as the Trailblazers acquired forward Kevin Knox 2 via the Detroit Pistons and five-second-round picks in a trade that sent Gary Payton 2 to the Golden State Warriors, center James Weissman from the Warriors to the Pistons, and forward Sadiq Bey from the Pistons to the Hawks. But according to Shams Charania at The Athletic, GP2 failed as physical, which puts the entire transaction into limbo. It's possible that the deal is reworked, presumably with the Warriors giving up less in order to get Gary Payton to, play through injury during Golden State's 2022 championship run, or cancel it altogether. I would imagine neither team wants to do that, so it very likely comes down to whether Golden State and Portland can agree on a different deal structure or if they have to cancel the transaction altogether. And for what it's worth, I believe a team can just waive the requirement that a player passes their physical in order to finish the deal off, and as I understand it, Golden State also got some significant luxury tax savings by moving off Wiseman, so they're getting some relief as well already, so that is also an option. The Warriors reportedly have until Saturday night to decide how they want to proceed, so it's very possible that this will be resolved one way or another by the time you listen to this podcast, though if you're a subscriber, you probably are hearing this before that, so you should really consider subscribing if you haven't already. Now that I've said my piece, let's go ahead and hear what Trailblazers general manager Joe Cronin said about Portland's deadline performance performance. Cronin discusses the initial plan and then pivoting, the areas in which he feels the team still needs to improve, trying to set the team up for future moves down the road, his thoughts on Reddish, Theibel, Knox, and Archie diacono and a little bit about Gary Payton too as well. Here's what Joe
2: Cronin had to say. Trade deadline 2023 is over with. This one was, uh, was unique. It was the goal that we set, you know, when I started this job was to build a championship roster around Damian Lillard. So, you know, over the past little over a year, we've been transacting with that goal in mind. The goal going into this trade deadline was to be extremely aggressive. We had identified several players who, for us, were difference makers. Difference makers can mean a lot of different things. For us, difference makers meant high-end impact players that were incredible fits on our roster. So, you know, there's plenty of players that can fit that category. Many are not attainable. So we, you know, tried to work through that and, okay, who's the realistic ones that we can make really aggressive offers for in order to uh, hopefully bring on our team. So... Worked it super hard, came up empty. So from there, decided our new pivot, our, our path, if we came up empty was to just be super opportunistic in the transactions we were looking to do. Look for good value either way, whether it meant adding a player or losing a player. And we just transacted accordingly. So the, you know, our main goal throughout those transactions were how do we build for future rosters? You know, future seasons rosters where You know, it goes back to some of the stuff we did at the last trade deadline, accumulate as many assets as possible in order to make a big push for high-end talent. Um, you know, last year's trade deadline was a little different because it was more, okay, we needed, we needed contracts and tools to even be able to pull that off, like trade exceptions and that kind of stuff. This time we were more in just asset acquisition mode, get picks, get young players we like, um, get guys that hopefully can grow and build with us for this season and beyond. So, um, you know, we want to be championship level as soon as possible. So for us, you know, it's disappointing. Like, we want to get out there, and we would love to have a team out here tonight that is ready to rock. And we're borderline anxious to push all of our chips in. We can't wait till that for that moment to happen. It just hasn't come up yet. And, you know, it's my job to... Be the voice of reason to be very diligent to not make a big mistake, to not get the wrong guy, to not overpay, to not um, give up on somebody that could eventually become a really good player. Like, I've got to be really smart about this because, you know, it's trying to thread a really thin needle here where, you know, we don't have room for error. We need to get this right. We want to maximize Damien's time. I know it's hard. Like when I come out, oh, well, you know, we're looking forward to this summer. We're, you know, have faith we can get something done. You know, it's, it's, it can, it feels a little empty, like it's false, false hope or, you know, unrealistic promises. But hopefully our track record has shown that we're willing to be really aggressive. You know, I think, you know, I said this last year at the tread deadline. You know, we went after some guys, couldn't get them. Hopefully that trade exception will come into play. Hopefully we can put a, our pick into play. And that got us Jeremy Grant. So, you know, and that and we went into that draft with the number seven pick, and we're trying to be aggressive with that. Like, you won't see from this group a, a lack of trying or a lack of innovation or a lack of creativity. We're going to be ridiculously aggressive to the point where once we push our chips all the way in, like deal to deal, you might look and say, wow, they lost that deal. They gave a lot for that guy, but no, that's just us pushing our chips. in. we feel extremely obligated to put a a great roster around Damian Lillard. And when I say we, that's from the top, Jody and I have had a lot of conversations about how important it is for us to do right by Damian. And we plan to do that, but you know, and you can ask Damian this, but he understands this, that it doesn't always fall into place immediately. We understand the timeline is short as far as we want this runway to be as long as possible for him. But at the same time, as long as the intentions are in the right place, we're willing to wait it out for that terrific opportunity to present itself. Um, you got to have the assets to be able to maximize these opportunities. And we think we did some of that here at this trade deadline. We improved, you know, our asset pool. So, um, we're going to keep working. We're we're not disappointed. We're positive about our ability to get things done and still really hopeful about this team's future. So with that, I just want to do a bunch of questions with you all. The negotiations were all over the board. You know, sometimes you call, you get shot, shot down immediately. Like they don't even want to listen. Call back two weeks later, has anything changed? No. Okay, that one's done. You know, others, you get more involved. Like, no, it would take this or that. You know, and it just never gets too substantive where you're not making a whole lot of progress. Finally one team pulls out. Others, um, we had one where, you know, there's a good offer on the table, it was just way too much for us. You know, that was we had a good player, it was just too much. So, you know, it really it's a wide ranging. It's funny when you're when you're going after those top, top players, like it can be a really quick exercise, especially in a league that's so competitive right now. They're There weren't a whole lot of teams looking to, you know, take a step back. So, you know, we just have to make sure we touch all those touch points and just, you know, check every box and, you know, really be active. And we were. So I think, you know, you lay some foundation as well for future talks, which help, you know, at least, you know, how each other feel about how each team feels about each other's rosters and those kind of things. So, you know, so that's a little like with Jeremy where, you know, we built that foundation. Eventually, those talks heated up. It took four months. A big thing I've talked about, I think, you know, pretty much all season long and even going into this season was, um, we have a lot to learn about this roster. And now we're north of 50 games in, and I think we've learned quite a bit. And one of the things, one of the most profound things we've learned, and, you know, I think we assume going into it, but we feel even more validated now is that Damien and Anfernee – make you elite offensively pretty much any way you cut it. Those two are so good that um, no matter what, we're going to thrive offensively the last month. I mean, our offensive rating's been through the roof. I think they're really starting to settle in. So going into this trade deadline and, you know, even before, like we've been trying to do this, like with the addition of Jeremy and um, some of the other guys, we're trying to support these guys with, you know, real defenders with real size, with real length. So, um, we've been incrementally building towards that. Um, I'll be the first to acknowledge that we're not big enough. we're not long enough. We're not tall enough. Um, we're not defensive minded enough. This is something that's gonna be a continual push from us. and you'll definitely see me lean weight towards outside. like I think it would take quite a bit for our offense to break. So I transactionally we'll be really focused on adding guys that compliment complement those two guards on the other end of the floor specifically. I, I want to see these guys compete. You know, this is we're trying to build a culture here of, you know, playing hard and competing. And I think we're seeing this. We've seen this a lot this year where night in, night out, these guys are giving it their all. And I thought that was an important first step for us. You know, we have a lot of fine-tuning to do in this roster. You know, there's there's a lot of things I want to change as we refine and get into super-duper win-now mode. But I want that culture of competitiveness to continue through. Like, these guys go out and do your thing. And I think they're very capable, and I'm really interested to see what this new group has in store. Aaron.
0: Is it gonna fall?
2: Yeah, I mean, is it possible that we see what we what happened last year if it gets to a certain point? Oh. Um, it's too soon to say, I think sometimes, you know, those things like guys get injured or whatever, or you just have a bad run and things change and you decide to play some young guys or you look at certain rotations or whatever. But, um, as currently constructed, the way things are going, I don't foresee that being, you know, paramount in our minds, but now it will adjust as needed. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit more on how the moves you made? this week will help in the summer yeah sure you know certain things come into play whether it's um you know the, the obvious ones are we got a first and i guess potentially now five seconds um so those are you know good currency in the marketplace and definitely help enhance a package there were other things that you know we had to do just financially where you know the Josh Hart trade, you know, he was about to be a free agent, so the thought was, you know, let's um, let's get something for him and not lose him for nothing, those kind of things. So um, I think we're definitely positioned with a better asset pool than we started with, and for me, that's that's really important. We're confident that we can go out and, you know, win some free agent recruiting battles. We, you know, we really believe in what we're building here, and I think our reputation is really strong around the league, you know, players love Chauncey Billups and it's, you know, the players, it's a really important relationship for them that, you know, they have to see this, this person every day, you know, all day, this is their, you know, of like another teammate if with more, you know, impact. So I think Chauncey, Damien, you know, the environment we've built um, our potential, I think are all going to be, you know, really intriguing pieces you know, especially as we continue to build this out, you know, you see where as you become more and more competitive, you get more and more appealing, especially from these veteran guys that, you know, their careers are, their timeline's getting shorter and they're looking to win and, you know, be in a great position. So, um, I'm confident and we'll never, you know, be arrogant about our ability to get somebody, but we'll also never duck from, you know, a recruiting battle against teams that, you know might have historically won out in those things. So the first one was uh we did Josh Hart for Cam Reddish. Um, Cam, really talented, 23 years old, 6'8", wing, you know, handle, pass, shoot, solid defender. Um, I think this environment is going to be terrific for him. I'm excited about Cam. Um, there's not too many guys his – Skill set, size, and age that you come across, and um, I'm encouraged by you know him being here, and I'm excited about our the development that we can put him through, and you know he's gonna get he's gonna get some playing time, and I think Chauncey's gonna be good for him and empower him, and I think we're gonna see some good things. What you read on why it hasn't worked for him? Yeah, I mean, every guy's path is different. It's this league is so so difficult, and Sometimes it's situational. Sometimes it's just your development curve. Like some guys thrive early, some thrive late, you know, and some it's just the they just need a different opportunity or a different role. So um, it's really all over the board. And with Cam, I think, you know, it's definitely not a question of talent. Sometimes it's just a question of getting the right opportunity. And um, hopefully we'll be able to provide something that's more amenable for him that way. Um, other guys we acquired, um, Matisse Thybul, flat out elite defender. And, you know, as you heard me talk earlier, that's something we're really emphasizing. So for us, um, Matisse has always been a target and we were really excited to get him at what we thought was a, uh, a pretty good price. So I'm excited about that one. Um, uh, Ryan Archie Diacono, we've been wanting to add a, an additional guard. Um, you saw, I think you saw like when we had some injuries early in the season, we just, we didn't have enough guard depth, especially like head initiator point guard depth. So Ryan will bring that. He'll bring, you know, a stableness to the offense. He'll bring toughness. He'll bring, you know, a pretty good skill set. He'll bring a great like locker room presence. So we're excited to have just a tough dude that knows how to play. Um, and then Kevin Knox, um, a little bit, like Cam, where, you know, lottery pick that um, has had some highs and had, had some lows and jumped around a tad. But, again, another really talented guy who, um, physical specimen that can shoot the ball um, and is still developing. And I think uh, our environments would be good for him.
1: Sean, Bill Dandy. Joe, putting aside the current status of the trade, what was it that led you to, you know, given that Gary was, you know, your big free agent addition this offseason and, you know, was a regular rotation player once he got healthy, what went into the decision that he was somebody you wanted to move off of for picks and he wasn't
2: going to be a part of it going forward? Mm -hmm. It was really strictly about the deal. Um, We just thought five second round picks and an $8 million trade exception was too good to pass up. It was really no indictment of Gary or, you know, how things are gone. It was just <clears throat> a way to improve our asset pool and then create this trade exception as well. So Joe, I understand it's a fluid situation, but on the Gary front, the, the piece that Sean read to you contained a fairly, I think would be a serious implication that, that your training staff was, was pushing Gary to play through pain, injury, whatever, whatever you want to phrase it, mm-hmm. um, portal shots. are not like a small thing. Mm-hmm. Um, given the timeline for him to get back was beyond what you guys initially initially stated. Um, Can you, I guess just respond to the implication of that report, but then also shed some light on the evolution of his health and was, I mean, did you, was he healthy in your mind when, when you traded him? Player safety is super important to us. I mean, it's a super important thing around the league. Um, You know, we were playing him, he was playing and, he had been cleared and we were confident that he was healthy when he was playing. We did, we would not have brought him back if we thought he wasn't healthy or if he was at risk. So, um, you know, you trust that we did the right thing and you trust that our process was correct. And, you know, these, these reports, you know, I think if you knew our, the clearance process was proper. So I'll have to rely on that.
1: He was technically cleared weeks before he played too,
0: right?
2: Yeah, you know, because we got into a pretty long ramp up where, yeah, it's cleared. You know, I don't want to get too deep into this, but, you know, quite a ways ahead of him playing. So we were, we did a lot of one on o, one on one two-on-two, three-on-three build up to, you know, get him safely back on in a five-on-five environment. Well, that was Joe Cronin in his post-trade deadline press conference. Obviously
1: very much to digest there. But we're going to leave it there for this edition of The Briefcase. We'll get back to it next week with new episodes, and by then we'll know if Portland is still getting those second-round picks or if GP2 is coming back. We'll know a little bit more about some of the new players. We'll have a chance to get in front of Matisse Theibel and Kevin Knox. Cam Reddish and Archie and are already playing. In fact, they're playing as of right now. So we'll have more from them and their first performances and a little look towards the All-Star break and All-Star weekend as well, planning to get to next week. Thanks for joining me on this edition of The Briefcase. Talk very soon. Go Blazers.